You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. My name is Travis Wingfield, and I am thrilled to be the newest host of the Locked On Sports Network. The Locked On Sports Network is the fastest-growing podcast network, and I couldn't be happier to be a part of it, bringing you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Now, before we get started here with introductions and talking about the Miami Dolphins training camp and preseason games and eventually the entire 2017 season, uh, let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, the Locked On Dolphins website at Audio Boom, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, be sure to drop us a five-star rating and rise to review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the uh, more Dolphins fans we can broadcast the show out to. Since this is my Locked On Dolphins podcast debut, I want to go ahead and introduce myself to you guys a little bit so you know who you're going to listen to every day to get your Dolphins dose. Uh, as I said in the open, my name is Travis Wingfield. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. That's W-I-N-G-F-I-E-L-D-N-F-L. And there you'll find my tweeting, me tweeting about the Miami Dolphins just about every single day. Uh, me, personally, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan. I fell in love with this team, ironically, after a loss. Uh, go figure with the team's recent success. The 1994 playoff loss to the San Diego Chargers where Pete Stoyanovich unceremoniously missed that field goal. I saw that game on TV and bawled like a little baby for, for a few hours, but I fell in love with that team and have been ever since. Uh, the best way I can describe my passion for this team is through my VHS collection of each and every game of the 1-15 2017 season where Cleo Lemon and Greg Camarillo saved us from becoming uh, the first 0-16 team in NFL history. To this day, I still DVR all the games. No more use for VHS uh, back in the VCR days. I watch the games multiple times. I try to study the film as much as I can and provide an objective analysis of all things Miami Dolphins. You know, from the Dave Wanstead era... Uh, with his dumbfounded look over on the sidelines, to the Tony Sperano fist pump era, and up to the current Adam Gaze regime. I have lived and breathed Dolphins football since I was a little kid, and it's never going to change. Lastly, I run a quarterback film study site on the side. It's called thirdand10.com. I watch every snap of every starting quarterback from 2016. I graded the film. I wrote scouting reports. And if nothing else, it has taught me a ton about the game and helped me broaden my knowledge of different schemes and concepts and allows me to know a little bit more about the Dolphins team as well. So my mission here is to bring you guys the daily news surrounding the Dolphins, as well as my own personal commentary. You know, whether it's roster moves, uh, game reviews, hot takes, this is going to be your daily one-stop shop for all things audio Miami Dolphins coverage here on the Miami Dolphins Locked On Podcast Network. All right, now that all that housekeeping is out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the meat of this episode. You know, training camp has been underway for a little less than a week now, but we've got lots to talk about. In this episode, I want to go ahead and review the offseason, talk about the newest additions the team brought along back in March and April, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of the camp battles a little further down the depth chart throughout this week, leading up to Game 1 next Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons, defending NFC champion and nearly Super Bowl champion Atlanta Falcons. But before we get into all that, let's get you guys up to date on today's happenings at training camp, and really, there's just one story. Uh, Dolphins star running back Jay Ajayi left practice with a potential concussion. He left the field uh, to, to be evaluated further. No, no word on uh, his current status, but he did leave practice with a potential concussion. And, uh, you know, this kind of brings up a lot of questions and red flags in regards to coaching and the NFL and where we are these days with, 
the violence of the game, the violent nature of the game and all that kind of stuff. But uh, these training camps, they've caught a reputation for being pulled back a little bit, pulling the reins back from the physical, aggressive, grueling nature that used to be you know, commonplace back in the early 2000s. But, you know, Adam Gaze, he's a smart man. He Just like any other coach in the NFL, he knows that you can't waste these valuable padded practices because you only get so many. So he went ahead and turned the boys loose. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to see your star player get his bell rung, whether that's a Jai, Cam Wake, and Dominican Sue is another debate. But, you know, Jay Ajayi definitely carried the load on offense last year, and uh, losing him would be a vital, a crucial blow to this team if he were to go out. But he did, and he's being evaluated for a concussion. He should be back, I would imagine, within the next week or so, if not sooner than that. Um, The man that put the hit on Jay Ajayi is a perfect way for us to transition into our first segment of this Locked On Dolphins podcast, and that is to go ahead and talk about some of the free agents the Dolphins brought in back in March when free agency opened up. And this guy was a late addition to the to the team. He didn't come in right away. Uh, he had a pending suspension hanging over his head. Uh, he got docked eight games, and he'll miss the first eight games and return in Week 9 for the Dolphins. That is TJ McDonald, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams. You may have seen him featured on the All or Nothing series on Amazon, a phenomenal NFL Films production that they put out uh twice now with the Cardinals and the Rams this year. But TJ McDonald was a vocal leader for that team. He's a big hitter. He's athletic. He finds the ball. He sees the ball. He gets the ball, as the uh, Greg Williams would say there in Los Angeles, uh, their defensive coordinator. Coming along with McDonald is fellow former Ram William Hayes, who he said was traded for a coffee cup and a stapler, I believe it was. But uh, the Dolphins did just lose a few picks in the uh, fall down the ladder a few spots in the draft to go ahead and nab William Hayes who really excels in run defense, and he can play that um, same edge that Cam Wake does. And, you know, we all love Cam Wake for what he does. His pass rushing prowess is, is pretty much unmatched since Jason Taylor left town, and, and you know, Cam Wake's been one of the better pass rushers in the NFL on a cheap contract. But he has his limitations in the running game, and that's where William Hayes really comes in and can play that strong side of the formation. A lot of times the tight end will be on that side, and Will Hayes can kind of handle that. He'll set the edge. He'll he'll funnel everything back into the middle with our new and improved linebackers, like Lawrence Timmons, who is another new addition coming over to play linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all remember him last year from the game when Ajayi went nuts for 200-plus yards, and Timmons was in the end zone throwing up his lunch uh, after, the, after the Dolphins drove the entire length of the field for a touchdown. But Timmons comes over. He's kind of a throwback type of linebacker. You know, not many guys or any guys really in the NFL were doing what he was doing with the Steelers, dropping down the middle of the pipe in that in that Tampa 2 scheme. And he was even taking on receivers from like the Patriots, like Chris Hogan and, and Julian Edelman and carrying them down the entire field. Now, that wasn't necessarily a successful game plan, but it shows that he has kind of the athleticism and the coverage abilities to get downfield and do some things there. But he does excel in the running defense, in run defense as well. And you can line him up just about anywhere to rush the passer. So he's a valuable addition to this team. Back in the secondary again, the guy that's going to go ahead and play for TJ McDonald for the first eight games should be Nate Allen, replacing Michael Thomas, who, you know, if we get back into the the camp discussions and and whether or not we should be hitting this earlier this often, you know, Michael Thomas and Bakari Rambo, the two safeties last year, had some real tackling issues, specifically in that Pittsburgh playoff game where Antonio Brown took the first two possessions and basically just ran free into the secondary for easy touchdowns, and before you knew it, the game was over. But Nate Allen comes over from Oakland, he was a good player in Philadelphia with the Eagles. He had some injury problems, 
comes over to Oakland, gets injured again, and then his play really fell off and just wasn't available to play either. But he came into the lineup last year late in the season. I think it was the Buffalo game in week 14, I want to say. He comes into the lineup and he he produces, he gets an interception, and he was he was a pretty good player for the Raiders down the stretch last year on a defense that struggled. Now for the offensive side of the ball, the new additions we really need to focus on are Ted Larson and Anthony Fasano. Now Ted Larson's a guard slash center by trade, and we'll see where he winds up playing, whether or not Craig Urbick is going to be a starting guard or center, I think is kind of the, the thing here. And I know a lot of you are saying Mike Pouncey should probably you know, get some mention here, but I really can't trust Mike Pouncey to be anything more than a guy that we just kind of hope is a added bonus to this team rather than a, a key cog you can count on every Sunday to play because he hasn't been healthy for an entire season for several years now. So Ted Larson has an opportunity to get some time at guard or center. And then Anthony Fasano comes back to the team after leaving in 2012, Tannehill's rookie year. And he and Tannehill really developed a bit of, of a rapport back when they played together. Fasano, if you recall, actually caught Tannehill's first touchdown pass of his career in week two against the Raiders of that 2012 season. Fasano was pro football focuses, number one graded run blocking tight end, and he was pretty highly ranked. I want to say it was fifth in pass blocking as well. So he's kind of like an extra lineman to that to that system, if you will, because last year they ran some unbalanced lines where they would bring on Sam Young, you know, the sixth lineman onto the field. And basically Fasano gets that sixth lineman off the field, gives you a good blocker on the edge, inline blocker on the edge there. And he also offers, you know, the capability of going out for a pass and making some plays in the passing game as well. So Dolphins bringing some reinforcements that way via free agency, but they also had a, a pretty good draft class, uh, really focusing on the defense. I think that was a big area of concern for this team last year as the offense hit some big plays, wasn't consistent, but the defense really struggled late with some injuries and just kind of falling apart down the stretch. Obviously, we know about first-round pick Charles Harris, the defensive end out of Missouri. He was a top-20 type of talent. He fell on the draft a little bit. I didn't think we'd have a chance to get him. The, the Dolphins rushed up to the stage with the card in hand and turned it in right when they found out he was there. He is a effort rusher. He kind of models his game after Cam Wake, and he's been following Cam Wake around training camp and, and the OTAs and all that stuff. So it's good to know that he's got a, a good head on his shoulders and he's got some good mentors there with him in Miami as well. Second round pick was Ray Quad McMillan, the linebacker from Ohio State. I was really hoping for Obi Melifonwu, the safety out of UConn, because I want another one of those bruising safeties to go along with Rashad Jones, and he definitely is that. But hopefully TJ McDonald takes care of that role, and the Dolphins wind up with McMillan, a linebacker who is only 21 years old. He played at Ohio State. He was a captain. He was well-regarded as the captain of that defense as a really young man over there uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And he he really took charge of that run defense and getting guys in the right spots. There was an interview with the safety. I can't remember. I want to say it was it was uh, Malik Hooker that had an interview, and they asked him, you know, what do you what do you look for on the, when pre-snap trying to get the calls right on defense? Who are you looking to to try to get you set up right? And he says, I don't really know much other than I look at Raekwon for advice on where to go. So Raekwon was the captain of the Ohio State defense. He has been getting some looks at middle linebacker in training camp so far, and I think that's personally where I would play him as Kiko Alonso would shift off to the weak side and then play Timmons on the strong side in more of a sub-package type of role for Lawrence Timmons. So love the Raekwon McMillan pick. think he's going to pay huge dividends and really improve the Dolphins tackling this year. Third-round pick was Cordrea Tankersley out of Clemson. He has... Not really won me over, I guess, to put it nicely. I thought he, his tackling effort was pretty poor in college, and he just kind of didn't really have that want to some of the time. 
uh, played on a load of defense there at Clemson. And he's got a big, he's got an uphill battle to climb here in training camp with Byron Maxwell and Tony Lippett and Bobby McCain and Xavier Howard all in the fold. So he's got some cornerbacks to overcome. Probably going to be more of a redshirt year for him, at least for the first half of the season. Fifth round pick was Isaac Asiata, the first pick on the Miami Dolphins offense. He is a guard from Utah, kind of one of those big, nasty maulers, but he plays a little bit out of control at times. Uh, but he's he's definitely a, a high energy, you know, high character type of guy that wants to play well. He'll get a crack at the starting left guard job too, I believe. And then the other two guys that we can talk about here with the defensive tackles taken, Devin Devon Godchuk, excuse my pronunciation, and Vincent Taylor, the two defensive tackles. You know, Godchuk was from LSU and Taylor was from Oklahoma State. And those two guys really produced in college. Taylor was a bigger body, you know, kind of a freak athlete that just happened to fall in the draft a little bit. But those one of those two guys, unless the Dolphins make a veteran addition, you know, from this point forward, one of those two guys is going to have to eat up some snaps because the Dolphins are pretty thin at defensive tackle behind and down the Kinsue and and Jordan Phillips. So one of those guys is going to have to step up. And then the receivers, Isaiah Ford was drafted, but it seems like Drew Morgan, the undrafted receiver from Arkansas, has been more of a OTA slash summer slash camp name that has caught more buzz. Um, especially with the Jarvis Landry contract talks, you know, Drew Morgan excels in the slot and I don't want to see Landry leave any more than the next guy, but there does need to be a contingency plan there in case Landry does not get re-signed and leaves via free agency. So Drew Morgan been impressing there. So that's kind of the new faces in town of Miami. Some of those guys you can expect to see and definitely look out for this next Thursday uh, at home against the Atlanta Falcons at 7 p.m. Eastern as the Dolphins kick off the preseason uh, in that game. So, Moving forward now, looking looking at kind of what this team can expect from a schematical standpoint on offense, and as well as just kind of moving into the second year of the program. You know, we saw Kenny Stills get re-upped. We saw Rashad Jones get a new contract, Andre Branch. And one of the things that Kenny Stills mentioned was just like the sense of continuity and professionalism and just how much he loved being around Adam Gaze as well as this entire staff and, and, and the personnel there as well. And there's definitely there definitely is a bit of a companionship that has been developed amongst the coaches and the players and they really feel comfortable being themselves and you'll see Kenny Stills on Snapchat or any type of social media Instagram Twitter posting stuff of him doing community work with the, with the Dolphins and it's really cool to see so they definitely have developed a player player mindset mentality here where they they want to make sure players are comfortable in their own skin and are happy to be here and that appears to be the case as you move from year one to year two in the system it's just it's it's so much easier to implement new things as well as kind of rehash old things because rather than having to stop after each and every play to coach or to instruct or to kind of get things corrected you'll see the players and this has been a training camp report from some of the beat writers you'll see the players kind of communicating with each other and, and getting everyone on the right page internally rather than having the coaches have to do it between plays or on tape the night, you know, later in the evening when they review the practice tape. So I think that you're going to see a lot of huge strides from communication. Um, the up-tempo offense should return. We know we saw that kind of bagged after the Week 5 game with Tennessee last year when the Dolphins really struggled to get out of the gates, and there was some communication issues as well as well as just general offensive issues with the team starting off 1-4 and four before they kind of remade their identity as their power-running team and then kind of playing off the play action with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, And we'll get back into Ryan Tannehill more here in a minute, but I want to just wrap up my training camp thoughts as well as my offseason review thoughts here first. You know, all in all, this offseason has been a rather quiet one for the Dolphins. And what I mean by that is a lot of the beat writers and the fans on Twitter or or just the fans that are being vocal on whatever social media avenue they have, there's not as much as 
as much of a panic and chaos as there has been in the past. I remember back in 2007 waking up, you know, first thing in the morning and going over and checking my computer to see what the reports were on John Beck and Josh McCown because I wanted the young quarterback to win the job and not have to deal with a veteran quarterback that I knew wasn't going to do do much for us. I mean, look at the Jets now. They're sitting here dealing with debates between Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty and Josh McCown trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. And I know they're in for the tank and for the long haul, but I mean, they don't get to enjoy football until at least this time next year. So they have to wait an entire year and that's just not very much fun. So enjoy the fact that the Dolphins are relevant again. They're coming off of a playoff season. They appear to have their head coach and just enjoy the fact that the beat writers and the fans aren't really jumping down their throats, even though you're going to run into a few here and there. The prevailing thoughts of the Dolphins have kind of arrived again and are back to being a team that at least can be respected. And, uh, you know, once they start mounting playoff appearance after playoff appearance, start winning a game in the playoffs, then they can really start to get that respectability back and be viewed as more of a national power rather than just a team that is kind of a team you circle on the schedules and automatic victory. So it's nice to see the training camp reports really just kind of mean less because for the teams that are really good, like the Patriots and the Steelers and, you know, the Giants and the Packers, those teams that have been good for a long time, do you ever really hear about their training camp reports and what it, what it really means for the season? You, you you don't because they're more concerned about what happens in December and January than they are in July and August. So hopefully the Dolphins are on the track to becoming one of those teams. They're not quite there yet. Last year was a good step in that direction, and it appears that year two is off to a smooth start with Adam Gaze and company implementing that system. All right, so let's move on here to the next segment. We're going to be doing this every day up until the first game in Atlanta, week one of the preseason, and that's going to be positional previews for the 2017 season. And what better way to start off with the quarterbacks? I mentioned Ryan Tannehill in the play-action passing game in the last segment. Uh, We're going to get to him last. We're going to go from the bottom of the roster up, and that means the first quarterback on the docket is David Fales. Now, that's kind of an ironic name for any athlete, much less a quarterback. So David Fells comes over here to rejoin Adam Gaze, who he spent time with in Chicago. And my thought when they signed him was, I mean, obviously you got to have enough quarterbacks to get you through practice and enough arms to give all these receivers in camp enough footballs to, you know, run their routes and, and catch the ball and everything. So you got to bring in enough guys to get you through that segment and get you through July and August. And David Fells is one of those guys. I mean, he's familiar with Gaze. He knows Gaze's tendencies and his system and all that kind of stuff. So it just makes that transition period transition period a little more smooth and makes it a little easier for him to communicate things to these newer players or to guys that maybe aren't quite as familiar with Adam Gaze's system, you know, as like a Brandon Dowdy might be. And speaking of Brandon Dowdy, he is the next one up. I remember his first preseason game last year against the Giants. He looked impressive, and then the wheels kind of fell off from there going forward, which is to be expected for a smaller school quarterback, a seventh-round draft pick, you know, Brandon Dowdy coming from Western Kentucky. He got a lot of pub there. Uh, playing quarterback in college and he was obviously a local kid from the Miami area so him becoming a Dolphin was kind of a big story in that sense but beyond that there's not really a whole lot there the ability I mean he doesn't really have the NFL arm to drive the ball I remember last year in training camp Adam Gaze kind of made a mention about how you know sometimes he would see the play kind of develop and he would think it was going to be a disaster then before you knew it Brandon Dowdy made a play and somehow got the ball somewhere, even though it didn't look pretty. So you can kind of get by on that in in college, especially the lower-level college. I guess you can kind of get by on it in camp, but then once the live bullets start to fly, you really got to have the talent to be able to play the position. So Brand Dowdy could be a nice camp arm, a nice maybe a nice backup in the future, but I wouldn't expect much more than that from him. And given the 
success that our backup quarterback had last year, Matt Moore, I don't envision any reason why you would keep three quarterbacks on the roster, especially with Ryan Tannehill's knee apparently responding well to the treatment and the rehab they did. And there doesn't appear to be any limitations there. So no reason to keep three quarterbacks. I think Brand Dowdy most likely will be ticketed for the practice squad again at best, if not cut. Um, but that's about where his fate lies. So yeah, moving on to the next quarterback, Matt Moore. <clears throat> we all know what he did last year in his relief appearance of Ryan Tannehill. I personally didn't view his performance as great as maybe the numbers said that it was. I mean, in that first Buffalo game, his first start, or I guess that was the second start in the Buffalo game, he had really good statistics, but his first half, he was just errant all over the place. He was short hopping balls. That interception he threw at the end of the half was completely just a boneheaded decision. There was no one near the coverage. He, I mean, he just kind of got rid of it and was hoping for the best. Kind of like that throw he made to Kenny Stills in the Arizona Cardinals game where he threw it up. And granted, give him credit for, for identifying one-on-one coverage, but he just kind of threw the ball up there and hoped this guy made a play. And luckily, our big money receiver, Kenny Stills, did do that to win that game. But he, he just kind of is a gunslinger without, you know, kind of a reckless abandon about him. And that kind of started to show... In the in the Patriots game in the first half, and then it really showed in that Pittsburgh game in the playoffs. You know, with his turnovers that really, pretty much really ended that game from an offensive standpoint. Um, but that Patriots game, he bounced back in the second half after a poor first half. But um, those those two late games he had in the year really weren't. They were kind of more telling about his ability. I mean, he's a guy that can win you a game or two in a pinch, just like he did against the Jets and the Bills. And, and give him all the credit in the world. You know, we haven't won a game in Buffalo. Uh, since Ryan Tannehill's been here, so to get that victory, you know, despite the fact that uh, you know Devontae Parker breaks a tackle and, and makes a huge gain, Damian Williams has that big gain on the little screen pass. So guys are making plays on the offense. It's not always all about the quarterback, believe it or not. So you know they rallied around him, and that's good to see that they trust him and they can win games with him. But you know that Pittsburgh game, the fumbles, the inability to put the ball away and, and not recognize the rush, that that play at the end of the first half where he was strip sacked from behind. Yeah, Brandon Albert got smoked on that play, but. You know, Matt Moore's got to know it's it's first and goal. I got to put the ball away. So a big mistake there and just kind of tells you why he's a backup quarterback. He's not really consistent and, and he can't really piece together, you know, probably wouldn't be able to piece together a 16 game season against some good defenses and, and, and the like. So that's why he's the backup. And that's why Ryan Tannehill is still the undisputed starter of this team entering his sixth year in the NFL. I mean, shoot, I'm a, I'm a 30 year old Dolphins fan and I've never really seen a quarterback go into the following season as the unquestioned starter much less do it five times like Ryan Tannehill has so it's nice to have a quarterback in place that is our franchise quarterback a guy that can win you games a guy that can excel in the fourth quarter a guy that can do a lot of different things with his arms and legs you know he's a pretty complete quarterback he obviously had some cleaning up to do of his skill set and his mechanics and from a consistency standpoint from his time at Texas A&M and he went through a lot of uh, a lot of tough times here in Miami there's no doubt about that you know he struggled with Mike Sherman his first year as rookie year only throwing 12 touchdowns with 13 picks the offense really lacked explosion with Devon Bass and Brian Hartline but Tannehill really showed us kind of that toughness to hang in the pocket and and thread tight needles and he showed you kind of that elite arm talent that got him drafted eighth overall and he's really improved on that I mean his arm talent is is about as good as anyone's in the league he can really rip it he can spin it he can throw with touch although it's not his strong point but he did get better this year this past year throwing with touch we saw that on the uh, Damian Williams touchdown passing in the Chargers game where he sent him out in motion wide to the left side and, and lofted one up to him there. And he also ran, they run one of the staples of this offense is that little wheel route from the running back. When they can identify a free side of the field, they'll run the running back out into the flat 
fake that route and then curl him up the sidelines. And, and Tannehill hit a couple of those last year, so his touch passing is getting better. His pocket presence has something is something that has improved big time. You know, he's got those active feet, kind of those Peyton Manning feet, and obviously, you know, Adam Gaze has taught a lot of good quarterbacks, and so he's kind of wearing off rubbing off some of those traits on a Tannehill as well. So he's becoming more than just a play-action quarterback that can throw on the run, which he's very deadly on the move. He can beat you from the pocket. He can beat you with his legs. Uh, his The game is really slowing down for him. There was actually a story after that Arizona game that they said the reason they said the reason why Tannehill was so visibly upset, and obviously why wouldn't he be? You know, he just lost his season after a pretty good run. Uh, they said he, the reason he was so visibly upset was because the game really slowed down for him in that moment and in that game, and he had the three touchdown passes and some really nice-looking throws. And I think that he, you were starting to kind of see him evolve from a guy that can that can manage the game and take care of a game and, and give you an occasional play here and there to a guy that can really take over a game and win a game, kind of like in that San Diego game when he dropped that dime to Kenny Stills, the bomb up the sideline to Devontae Parker. You know, he dropped his shoulder and ran over a defender in that game. So just things that Ryan Tannehill does. He gives you a lot of different and unique skills and things you can build on from a quarterback standpoint. So I think that Ryan Tannehill, the unquestioned starter, I think this is going to be the year where you really see him explode onto the scene and become the big-time quarterback they drafted him to be. Sure, it took a little bit longer than we all would have liked. I mean, you see quarterbacks catching on right away like Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck. They, they have the immediate success, and then you see guys like Tannehill take a while to develop, and that's just kind of the NFL game. I mean, Drew Brees took a couple of years to get to where he was, and you know it, it happens that way sometimes. So you know, patience is key, and having a veteran quarterback, a guy that's older, is really a a strong point of an offense because a lot of the good quarterbacks in the league right now currently are older guys that have seen everything. They know what to expect from a season. They've seen every rush, every coverage, every different possibility the defense can throw at them. And Tannehill's starting to get to that level where he has that comfortability and moving into year two in Adam Gaze's offense. I don't see any reason to expect that to be any different. So really excited to see where he goes from here and see him kind of take that next step as this team's leader and as an elite quarterback. So I think quarterback position is going to be totally fine this year. Uh, we have a great starter, a capable backup, and then a couple of guys that are just kind of camp arms at the back end there. And that's going to be all for the quarterbacks. Tomorrow we'll get back into this uh, camp positional preview. We'll look at the running backs and the offensive line a little bit closer. The guys that will help Ryan Tannehill in this offense kind of become a more balanced unit and despite Adam Gaze's lack of love for running the football he found a way to do it last year uh, with Jay Ajayi and kind of changing the offensive scheme throughout the year so we'll get into that tomorrow look at those offensive guards that are scaring the crap out of everybody uh, as well as some of the offensive tackles you know you got Laramie Tunzel kicking outside now to left tackle we'll talk about that talk about his tape last year at left tackle in the two games that he played and uh, we'll get some more training camp news for you guys and that's going to be it for this episode my rookie podcast appearance Hope you guys enjoyed it here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the Locked On Sports Network. Again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You know, you subscribe to, to the podcast, it downloads it. It helps us get out to more Dolphins fans. Leave us that rating, the five-star rating, a review. Let me know what you think of me. Did I do good? Did I do bad? My first attempt. I hope it was good enough to get a five-star review. And uh, check out the other Locked On podcast. You know, the if you're a, a local Miamian, then you like the, the Locked On Heat podcast if you're a basketball fan. Or if you're like me, I'm located up here in Seattle, and I'm a Mariners fan. So I'll check out the Mariners Locked On Mariners podcast. And uh, also there's some, some bigger programs we have. Also the Locked On NFL podcast covers the entire league. We have the Locked On Draft podcast that rolls out come draft season, even though that's kind of a long ways away. But the entire network works together, and it all builds off each other, and we have some great guys working here for us. So don't forget to check out all of those. Remember, again, to follow me on Twitter. 
That's at Wingfield NFL uh, for all my tweets and thoughts about the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, and all things football. Um, don't forget to check out my website, thirdand10.com, talking about quarterback play. Uh, got a good piece on Ryan Tannehill up there and kind of in, encompassing his entire career with the Miami Dolphins, the, you know, the fall, the, the peaks and the valleys, and, and where we are now with Adam Gaze. So check out that. Subscribe to the podcast and come back tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.